Welcome to the Well Kind Better podcast. My name is Nicole Gergieva. I'm a holistic well-being coach and mindfulness guide. Every week I share knowledge, stories, and my best tips to help you elevate your well-being and mindset. Together, we explore tools and practices that support you in becoming a kinder and better version of yourself so you can bring your vision board to life. Take a deep breath, relax your shoulders, and let's dive into today's episode. Hey, lovely humans, and welcome to this week's episode of the Well, Kind, Better podcast. Today, I want to start a conversation on the topic of healthy self-esteem. We will talk about what self-esteem is, how healthy and unhealthy self-esteem look like, and four strategies for boosting your self-esteem. Before I dive into what I have for you today, I have to share something. Sometimes I struggle with my self-esteem. This is the reason why I'm also interested in this topic. I'm curious how to develop this area of my mental health more. So today I want to share with you what I have learned along the way. Please never think that the people you listen to online or look at online or listen to through podcasts have all of their shit together all of the time. And this includes me. I have many strengths and things that I have together, but as you know, I do struggle with social anxiety and the topic of my self-esteem often pops up in this context. You know, after years working on this and also in therapy, I am okay with this. The truth is that as long as we are human, we will struggle with something. And from where I stand, it is also important that we open up and start conversations not only on topics that we know a lot about, but also on those topics that make us feel more vulnerable and on which maybe we're not such experts. After all, this is how we learn more and we also connect more with each other. So let's dive into it. Okay, so what is self-esteem? Shortly, it is your opinion of yourself. Your self-esteem depends on how you view yourself, your talents, your limitations, skills and abilities, and your place in society. Your view of yourself starts forming at a very young age, around four years old, and then it keeps on developing through your teenage years and early adulthood. This explains why if you decide to talk to a therapist or a professional about this, you will end up digging a lot of childhood memories. Some of them will be good, some of them not so much. By the way, while we are still on the topic of age, I want to share that research has shown that our view of ourselves and our satisfaction with who we are tends to peak at around 60 years of age. So don't beat yourself up too much if you're not there yet. Self-esteem is generally developed based on your personal experiences and how you react to those, and of course, based on your relationship with others. This includes your family, friends, social groups, and communities. Now that we know a little bit about what self-esteem is, let's review the three overall types of self-esteem. The first one is low self-esteem. This applies to people who believe they quote-unquote, are doing below average in life. This state of self-esteem is characterized by lack of confidence in your abilities and placing a low value on your skills and what you have to offer to the world. Low self-esteem can result in depression and anxiety, in poor relationships, and even in inclinations towards different kinds of addiction. Then, second on the list, we have what is referred to as high self-esteem. 
You might be surprised from the name, but this is actually the healthy level of self-esteem. If you are in this category, then you tend to love and accept yourself. You believe in yourself and your abilities, and even though you know you're not perfect, you accept your flaws and you're able to work with them. People with high self-esteem are less afraid of being judged, which results in healthy confidence and the tendency to learn and expand. They also enjoy better boundaries and experiences when it comes to relationships. And last on the list, we have inflated self-esteem. People in this category tend to think that they are better than others. They generally interact with more arrogance, which prevents them from forming healthy relationships. People with inflated self-esteem love to brag and have a deep fear of failure and rejection. This is a short overview of the basics of self-esteem. Of course, the ways that it is developed inside of our heads is way more complex than this, and it is often a mystery to us until we decide to go deeper into soul and mindset work. At least this was the case for me. When I started on the journey of understanding my self-esteem, I didn't even imagine how much of it was defined before I was even in high school. My personal story with low self-esteem stems from something that at first looks like a very positive and good thing. And it was that I was a very good student, I think even since kindergarten. <laughs> However, the story had taken a slightly darker turn when being a good student had become my identity. My early childhood identity was being good at different things and I wanted to keep it that way. Long story short, this identity had created a whole lot of expectations of myself and fears of failure and rejection, which all culminated in, you guessed it, anxiety. Looking back, it is almost always easier to connect the dots and see the patterns. Now it makes a lot of sense to me. This is also why it is easier for me to find compassion for myself. I can see my experiences in the context of many other circumstances and aspects of my life that I didn't have the understanding and ability to take into consideration earlier. I understand how I got where I am mentally, and I know what I can do to strengthen my self-esteem. As you have probably already guessed, today we will focus mainly on living with low self-esteem and ways we can work with ourselves to transition into the next category. The rest of the podcast is also helpful for those of you who already have healthy self-esteem and are interested in ways that they can keep it this way. So my first suggestion is to work with an experienced mindset coach or a psychologist. When we work with the matters of the mind, it is often difficult to see things from a different perspective. And we need that different perspective in order to work with our self-esteem. A coach or a therapist can help you by asking you the right questions so you start piecing all of the things together in a new light. They can also recommend you the best tools for you and your development journey. This being said, I want to share a few things that I have found useful for my self-esteem work. Number one is understanding yourself and treating yourself with compassion. The first thing is to dive deep and try to understand where your low self-esteem might be coming from. I have to warn you, this is an uncomfortable exercise. You have to arm yourself with lots of compassion and self-love. When I started my self-esteem work, I remember feeling discouraged once I realized how far back 
the defining moments of my journey were. Honestly, I asked myself, if it took me 15 years to build this low self-esteem, how long will it take to improve it? When you start asking yourself such questions, you have to meet yourself with as much self-love and compassion as you can. We all have a voice in our heads that whispers encouraging and supporting words, just like we have a mean voice. In these moments of self-exploration, the encouraging voice might take a little bit longer to uncover, but it is the support mechanism that we need in order to reach healthier levels of self-esteem. So if you take this challenge and decide to go back and understand where you're coming from, arm yourself with as much love and compassion as you can. It is only after gaining some understanding of the past and who we are because of it, we can start looking into what can help us. So if number one on my list was understanding yourself, number two is moving away from comparison with others. Minimizing our tendency to compare ourselves with others is another step in the right direction. Comparing in itself is not a bad thing, as long as we use it to compare ourselves with the older versions of ourselves, so we can see how far we have come in our journeys. Of course, one of the main black goals of comparison is social media. I once read a very interesting view on social media. It was written that around 50-60 years ago, people were mainly able to compare themselves to people in the same social class. They would compare their house to the neighbor's house, their vacation to the vacation of their family members or colleagues. Generally, people used to be way less exposed to the life of the rich and famous, and they used to feel better about themselves. Even if they wanted a house like the neighbor's house because it was bigger or nicer, it was actually possible for them to achieve it with hard and honest work. It was a step up, not a whole skyscraper up the social classes. However, Nowadays, we get to see the lives of many people and we tend to focus only on those that are better or actually much, much better than ours. I mean, how often do you compare your life to people who live in slums or refugee camps? Isn't it true that that information is also available online, but we just don't compare ourselves to it? Imagine if we did, we would probably feel much better about our lives. So if we want to develop a healthier self-esteem, it would be helpful to focus our energy more on ourselves, our actions, and our strengths. Dropping the comparison game altogether is a difficult quest for a human. However, what we can learn is to compare ourselves more to the appropriate groups of people, or even better, just to our old selves. The third thing that has helped me with my self-esteem is positive affirmations. After we stop giving ourselves a hard time for what we are or what we are not compared to others, we can start working on accepting ourselves more and increasing our sense of worth and confidence. One method that has helped me is to use daily positive affirmations. An affirmation is a statement about yourself and your life which you would like to program in your brain. Affirmations are always worded positively and are in present tense, as if they're already true. Regularly writing and saying positive statements such as I am confident or I accept myself the way that I am can have a profound effect on the way that you perceive yourself and therefore on your self-esteem. 
When it comes to what you should be affirming, my biggest recommendation is to listen to your inner voice. What do you need to hear? Which words will feel soothing to you? You know, like a hug? Once the words come to you, write them and say them out loud. Bonus points if you can also feel the words in your body. For example, if your affirmation is, I accept myself the way that I am, can you feel the warmth of these words? Can you imagine how it would feel to truly accept yourself today? Hold on to that feeling while you practice your affirmations. A few last words on this practice. Having an affirmation practice is powerful. However, it takes time to kick in. Remember how I reflected that it took 15 years to form my low self-esteem and I wondered how long it would take to develop a more positive and compassionate view on myself? Well, it definitely doesn't take 15 more years. But it does take dedication, work, consistency, and a little bit of faith in the process. So what I'm saying is this. Don't give up if you don't feel significant progress after a month or even a few months of practicing your affirmations. Inner work simply takes time. The last self-esteem booster that I want to talk about today is, drumroll, the practice of celebrating yourself. So we spoke about understanding ourselves, about comparison and affirmations, and now I want to share one last thing that works for me, and it is to celebrate. Celebrate what, you might ask. And to this, I say everything that you can, no matter how big or small. I first read about the incredible power of celebration while researching how habit formation works. In that context, celebration helps with making an action a habit. When we celebrate something, our brain releases dopamine, which is a powerful hormone and neurotransmitter. It helps the brain understand that whatever we just did made us feel good and the brain forms new pathways to make sure that we remember the action and reproduce it easier next time. Celebrating has other wonderful benefits as well. For example, celebration increases our overall sense of well-being and confidence. And if we have low self-esteem, we want to do more things that bring us confidence. Celebration also makes us feel good about ourselves and what we do. And best of all, it works regardless of our position in society, regardless of our past or current physical and mental health conditions. If celebration is so good for us and for our self-esteem, why don't we do more of it? That's a good question, isn't it? And there are a few reasons. The first one is that we usually wait for something big to happen in order to celebrate it. The way that we move past this is by setting milestones on the way to our big accomplishment and celebrating those milestones in meaningful ways. This leads me to the second reason why we don't celebrate. We think that our celebrations should be big and elaborate. However, the opposite is true. We can celebrate in small ways too. We can celebrate with a nice homemade dinner, a piece of delicious cake at a local bakery, or with a celebratory walk in the park. As long as the activity is meaningful to you, it counts. And lastly, we don't celebrate because we think it is foolish. Well, now you know of all of the amazing benefits that come from celebration, so I hope you see how not foolish it is and actually how valuable this activity can be for you. Most importantly, though, I want to encourage you to find something to celebrate at least once a week. I remember that when I was launching the podcast, I really faced trouble with my imposter syndrome. 
What helped me was celebrating each milestone. Recording the first episode, editing the first episode, which actually included a very steep learning curve, so it was really worth celebrating. I celebrated the first episode being published, the first download, you get it. And I truly believe that this practice kept me moving through the process, even when my inner critic and imposter syndrome were telling me some pretty discouraging things. So these are my four tips for working on your self-esteem. The first one is to work on understanding yourself with compassion. Then the second is to work on dropping the comparison game or comparing yourself to the right people or best to your old self. Then introducing practices such as positive affirmations and celebration into your life. Living with a low self-esteem is not always fun. I know that. And in case this is the reality for you as well, I hope that this episode made you feel less alone and more inspired to take positive action and to look for ways to work on that part of yourself. I know that sometimes it seems like nothing is working, but eventually I promise that every action adds up and next thing you know, you will look back and see how far you have come. And those of you who are doing just fine, but maybe recognize that a friend or a family member is working on their lower self-esteem, be patient and loving and encouraging. That's all from me, lovely humans. I wish you a wonderful week ahead and I will see you next Monday for another podcast episode. Cheers. Cheers.